1: welcome to the one ministries podcast brought to you by the one ministries church i'm your host Naron tillman pastor and founder of one ministries based in the vibrant city of new york Our mission is to unite believers from all walks of life, backgrounds, and experiences to work together as one body with one mission and one purpose. Through this podcast, we aim to bring you inspiring messages, thought-provoking discussions, and practical insights that will help you grow in your faith, deepen your relationship with God, and live out your calling as a follower of Christ. Join us as we explore relevant topics, share personal stories, and interview guests who will inspire, challenge, and encourage you in your journey of faith. Our goal is to help you connect with God and others, discover your purpose, and make a positive impact in your community and beyond. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. This is the One Ministries podcast, and we are excited to have you on this journey with us.
0: When I first started preaching, this text was one of my um, good texts. I used to like to preach this text. It's so rich. and It gives you so much. And um, if you glean from the text properly, you can find some good nuggets, both practical and spiritual or theological. This morning is gonna be the first time that I've seen this text through the lens by which we're going to approach it. We've been studying Abram's life just as a foundational point about our fellowship with God in Christ. And we've come across, from a theological standpoint, we've talked about typologies. And We're going to point out in this particular passage a type that, that is seen. We've talked about Abram giving his wife away. But we want to examine Abram as, this morning, a father. One of Abram's pet peeves with God is that he was longing for a legacy. He tells God after he renders sacrifice and get Lot out of oh, the hands of kings, says, I have all this stuff, but I have no legacy. I have no son to leave it to. And one of God's promises to him, as he has had taken him from Chaldea, the land of his father, was that he would give him a son. When you look at Lot, he was mean Abraham, now Abraham, he was 75 years old when he started his journey. So he takes a lot with him. him, and Lot both grow great inheritance, so has a great inheritance, so much so that they were their people were fighting against one another. And God now separates them and allows them to go one way. Lot picks his land, and God blesses the land of Abram Abram at the time. He now is older and he feels as if he's not getting a seed. And he has intimate relations with Haggai, who happens to be his wife's handmaid with his wife's permission. And he has a son named Ishmael. His impatience now causes him to be flawed. We look at the flaws in him lying and saying that his wife was his sister, although he was telling a partial truth out of fear. And now out of fear of losing time, he has a son who's conceived and now causes a problem in his home. He's not attached to his son, but yet he's attached to his son. And I'll explain what I mean. When Sarah gets upset with Haggai, the Bible says he got she got jealous because of the son. Abram tells Sarah, deal with her however you want to. I only did it because you asked me to, so now you can deal with her how you desire. And Sarah deals with her harshly to the point that Haggai takes Ishmael, and they leave. Abram didn't go chasing after them. But the dichotomy of the relationship that he has with Ishmael, and the dichotomy of how he thinks as a father when he's laughing at God in Genesis chapter 17, after God tells him at the age of 90, that he would be, that she would be with child. He laughs, but then he also says, I wish that you would choose God, Ishmael as my heir. So he has a son, one who he, Loves enough to fight for with God in prayer, but one that he doesn't care enough about to go see after when he, when Sarah treats his mom harshly and they both leave the house. So in chapter 17, we hear the laughter of 90 year old Abram, who now is being elevated to abraham father of many he's being promised that his seed shall be as far as the land god says i'm still going to bless ishmael because i have to keep my word that your seed shall be blessed but ishmael cannot be the heir oh father abraham now has a problem because the promise that god gives it doesn't seem as if it's going to come to pass. He now gets 70 plus year old Sarah pregnant and they conceive Ishmael. After Ishmael, Isaac, I'm sorry, After Isaac is born, Ishmael, who's his older brother, is in the house because they came back. The angel of the Lord sent them back to the house. And he's teasing Isaac. And Abram now asks them to leave. And he gives Hagar, watch this some bread and some water and sends them on their journey. With no care in the world about how it was gonna end. Ah, The dichotomy of this man who's the father of many watches his son and his baby mama walk out into the wilderness with some water and some bread. And the Bible says that Hagar puts the boy down and she goes to the other part where they had ran out of food. There's no more water. She's crying because she was preparing in her mind to die. while Abram, Sarah, and their new son is living plush. Father Abraham doesn't know what's going on with his other son. The condition that he finds himself in, he brought to himself. He brought on himself, having two women in one household fighting against each other. Now to the fact that as a father, you now send your son away. Oh, we love to gloss over the the fact that Abram is the father of many nations. We love to talk about the fact. But here in his responsibility, he sends them away. Hagar is crying. The son is crying. And the angel of the Lord came unto her and, and satisfied their natural need. And for those of you who don't know it, Ishmael now becomes the father of the Muslim nation. Blessed. In our text, however, we see Father Abraham, the Bible says in verse 1, chapter 22, Genesis, being tested. By now, he's elder in his faith with god after spending 25 plus years in fellowship with him he's sold his wife twice he's allowed his relationship with god to fester and to manifest itself he prayed on behalf of sodom and gomorrah he's saved lot he has an inheritance and now he trusts god to the point and not argue with him saying that I wish that you would give me an heir, but he's trusting enough to take heir of promise to the place of sacrifice. They take the things that are necessary for sacrifice. They take the things that are necessary for sacrifice and they're walking to the place of sacrifice. Can you see the struggle? Can you see the conflict? Can you see the turmoil that Abram has as a father, but now as a faith believer, he has to adhere to that which God has challenged him to do. God challenges him to go and make his son a sacrifice. This son is not an infant, he's old enough to understand the utensils and the things necessary to make sacrifice. So he says to the father, I see the fire, father, I see the wood, but oh, father Abraham, where is the sacrifice? There's something missing. We've done this before. We've been here, Abram, or daddy, son. God will provide. Abram's journey through fatherhood is just like many of ours, not always making the best decisions not always being at the right place at the right time, but if you have impacted or if you've been father enough to love God, then we have a responsibility to take care of that which he gave us responsibility to look over. We can use Abraham's flaws and Abraham's good qualities to understand that We're going to have some ups, (laughs) and we're going to have some downs, but we have a responsibility to be father. Abraham is struggling with the concept that God is challenging him because he doesn't know, but he's not struggling in his faith anymore. He goes all the way. The Bible doesn't give us any idea of if Isaac was fighting as Abram was tying him on the altar. The Bible doesn't give us an idea of how much resistance, but Isaac is a teenager. So you have to imagine, and Abraham is an older man. It's either Isaac was just obedient and he lays down, or there was some back and forth. We don't know. The Bible doesn't give it, but I'm just trying to paint a picture that this is what's happening. And Abram is at the point. Can you imagine the news in today's day? A father does this to their son, saying that God challenges him to make their son a sacrifice. Places him on the altar, raises that knife, begins to take his heir and offer him for a burnt offering. Oh, some generations later, through Abram's bloodline, Father God sends his son allows him to become a sacrifice, a substitutionary atoning sacrifice by which he's not laid on the altar as a burnt offering, but he's on the wood and curse. He becomes he who knew no sin now becomes sin so that we might have the right to the tree of life. He lays on the altar and it wasn't the hands of the Israelites. No, it wasn't The decree of Potiphar, it was by the will of the Father, as the Bible says, and it pleased God. He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed, but it pleased God to do so. The Father now sacrifices the Son, and he does not send an angel to stop the sacrifice, but he sends the Lamb. And behold, Lamb is slain. Father Abraham is stopped. But aren't you glad that Father of all creation allows his son to be sacrificed? The typology that Abram is actually living out in real time becomes the story of our. Salvation, The bedrock of the believer is that the father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Father Abram doesn't have to carry out or go through the sacrifice of his son. Father Abram doesn't have to go through, but his faith was tested and the scriptures declare that God says through the voice of the angel, Lay lay not your hand, verse twenty, verse twelve in chapter twenty two of Genesis. Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that you fear me. Father Abraham, I saw that you feared Pharaoh when you gave your wife to her. I saw that you feared your wife when you put Ishmael out. I saw that you feared the other king and you lied to them and said that Sarah was your wife. You feared everywhere. You lived in fear. You were fearful of everybody else. Now I know that you fear me. Aren't you glad that God doesn't fire us in our mishaps and in our mistakes? Aren't you glad that he knows how to keep us? He molds Abram to Abraham and he makes him a good father and a good father fears the Lord. Lessons from Father Abraham, the journey of this father as he terrain, as he travails through life, as he goes through not knowing, none of us comes in knowing how to be a father. Some say you can't be too lenient. If you're too lenient, then you spoil the child and they're going to get out in the world. Some say you can't be too overbearing. If you're too overbearing, then they're going to want to do other things. Some say that you should spank your child, some say that you shouldn't. Some say that you should stand him in a corner. But the thing that they do not, that we know, is not good, is to be absent. Don't touch him, Abraham. Because now I know you fear me. When I told you about Sodom and Gomorrah, you argued and you wrestled with me. If it be 50 righteous, how about 150? Can I get a 75? Can I get a 15? What if it's five righteous people knowing that Lot was in there? But God said their sin came up to my nostrils, Abraham. And you know what? Abram? at the time, I'll strive with you. There's no vacillating here. There's no waffling. There's no, he wakes up, God tell him to do it and he acts. That's why faith starts out the size of a mustard seed. And then it blossoms and it becomes the largest tree in the garden. If your faith stays the size of a mustard seed, then you're not exercising your faith. Chapter 2 22 Abraham, Abraham is radical in his faith.
1: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Chapter 22. Abraham goes all away. It's the knife in his hand. Sacrifice on his mind. The journey of this father who's promised to see, he has some stuff, but now he has to make this choice. But God comes in the nick of time. I don't know who I'm talking to. You may be a mother. You may not have any children, but your faith cannot stay in the same level that it started out with. You have faith enough to start the business. You got to believe that you can be successful in it. You had faith enough to start the journey to lose weight. You got to believe that you can hit that end line, that finish line. You had faith enough to get through, to go to the altar. You got to believe that he can fix that marriage. You had faith enough to walk out and to be on your own. You got to believe that you shall not want. You had faith enough to walk down the altar. To the owl and give the preacher a hand and say, What must I do to be saved? You got to believe that against all that you go through, weeping, enduring through nights, and health might be failing, that he's able and quick to forgive, and he's able to keep us from falling. You got to believe it. Faith. The Bible declares that without it. It's impossible to please God. Father Abraham staggers not at the promise. (laughs) He might be walking a little slow, but he's still walking. His growth now is seen in this act of redemption. This is a typology of redemption. He's not just Ishmael and Isaac's father. He's the father of faith. Now I know that you fear me. It took us a while to get here. Some of us stopped praying Some of us stop worshiping. Some of us stop being grateful. So God now puts us in position where we seem to want, where he seems to have his hand off of us, where we seem to be distant from him, where it seems like everything that can go wrong does go wrong, where it seems as if our mind is playing tricks on us, where it seems as if everybody's out to get us and everybody's against us, where it seems as if we cannot make it, where it seems as if our strength has been Sapped out of us, where it seems as if we've given up on life. We've thrown in the towel. We said we wasn't going to go back. We said we wasn't going to do it. Our lips, instead of speaking blessing, speaks cursing of the Lord. But somehow, uh. he allows those situations and circumstances to bring us to back to the place we feel the Lord. Our faith is rooted and grounded in Him. Oh, ye who trust in the Lord. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, some trust in the things that they see, but blessed are they who trust in the Lord unto the place where we fear him. Our worship of him is not because we are afraid of him as terrible, as horrible, but we understand his awesome, splendid power as one who's not just All-knowing, but one who's all powerful. Fear him because we know what he can do. Seeing how he takes vengeance over his enemies. We've seen him lock up wounds and open up windows that people don't have enough room to receive. We see him stop the hands of his enemies, fire out locusts. Make frogs come out. Stop the raging sea. Spread open rivers. We've seen him speak something into nothing, and it exists. We've seen him speak life. Am I talking to anybody that experienced the splendor of God to the place where you say, "Oh, I don't want to fall in the angry hands of God because I can't." fight on my arms are too short to box with him. My strength is not that powerful. For who can resist now the will of God? And I'm almost done. And the angel of the Lord called upon Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. I don't have to swear by anybody else's name. I swear by my own name. This was my struggle, everybody. Excuse the personal reference. I know that I wasn't worthy of the calling. I know that I was still struggling in my own humanity. I know that I wasn't even worthy of salvation. So you pose these questions why would you use such a wretched sinner like me, Lord? And here's the answer. Genesis chapter 22, verse 16. By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, but because thou hast done this thing and not have withheld the Son, thine only Son, that in blessing I will bless thee. I will bless you because of your obedience. I will bless you because I want to. I know that you're flawed, Abraham. I know you're flawed, Naron. I know you're flawed, listener. I know the road that you take. But the steps of a good man, the steps of a good woman are ordered by the Lord. It doesn't catch me by surprise when you lack faith. It doesn't catch me by surprise when you don't pray. It doesn't catch me by surprise when you don't give. It doesn't catch me by surprise when you don't trust me. But in molding this relationship, I'll get the best out of you and I'll put us in the position where you learn to trust again. I'll put us in a position where you learn to hold your head up. I'll put us in a position where you say, I will lift my eyes to the hills from which my help comes from the Lord. Because I'm betting on me. (laughs) You think you love him first? we love as response to him loving us first how much did he love us he did not stop from sacrificing his son in eternity past he sends his son as a propitiation to lay down his life for us and he that knew no sin became sin so that we might have access to the Father, not as servants, but as children of God, joint heirs with Christ, meaning that everything that he has, he now invested in us, not in the physical building of the church, but in his etched out, called out sons and daughters who now he claims and calls his church. He dwells in the heart and in the mind of the believer. Your imagination is his imagination. Your faith is his faith. Your understanding is his understanding when we don't lean into our own understanding. That's why we pray. That's why we meditate. That's why we fast. He says, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything, but through prayer and supplication, make mind make your prayers make your wants make your desires known to him and don't be anxious and when you get anxious this is what i want you to think i want you to think on those things which are lovely think on those things which are pure think on those things which are of a good report think of those things first and then start singing some songs to yourself oh we used to sing songs in the church Oh, happy days when he washed my sin away, that there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. Jesus knows all about my struggles and he will guide us till the day is done. We used to sing songs like he kept my enemies away and allowed the sun to shine through a cloudy day. He wraps me in the cradle of his arm, and He keeps me safe from all harm. If it had not been for the Lord, which was on our side, we used to sing songs like, and he walks with me and he talks with me he tells me that I am in his own and the joy that I live from day to day he will never leave me alone oh we used to sing songs like walk in the light, beautiful light come where the dew drops our mercy shine bright, shine all around us by day and by night, Jesus is the light of the world, we used to sing songs like holy holy Lord God almighty which was and is to come Holy, all the earth adore thee, God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. I swear by myself.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
0: In gang culture, in gang culture, the gang members swear on the name of the person that they're affiliated with, the gang that they're affiliated with, as a sign that whatever they're saying, their word is their bond. So if they were blood and uh, Pyru, they would say, on Piru, that means that everything I say after that is. If the gangs can trust another gang member. A thief can trust another thief when they swear upon somebody's name. We can't trust God. Who says he makes bond on his own name? We can't trust him to be bread when we hungry, when he promises us that we shall not want. We can't trust him to give us the fat of the land. We trust the government. And as we are seeing, they're not trustworthy. We trust our news casters. And as we see, they're not trustworthy. We trusted our spouses and some of them are not trustworthy. We trusted our parents. And some of them may not have been trust, but oh, to trust in God who swears by his own name, who will not allow his own name to fail. He doesn't have to come back and ask for forgiveness. He doesn't have to say, my bad, I forgot. He doesn't have to, because he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Can you wrap your mind around this, beloved? As we look at this journey of this father, Abraham flawed Abraham in relationship with the perfect father, God, can we wrap our minds around this? That you might not have been a perfect parent. You might not be a perfect Christian. You might not be a perfect believer, but he doesn't call us to be perfect. He called us to trust in his perfection. And if we trust in his perfection, that's all we need. If You get nothing else out of this message this morning. If you get nothing else, the only thing that I want you to look at Abraham's life, look at his journey, look at his imperfections, look at all that. he had. I wasn't intending on preaching this. I wasn't intending on preaching this. I don't really preach to holidays or moons or new moons. I preach what the Lord impresses in me which I feel is necessary, would he bursts inside of me. And as I woke up and I started to think about Abram's journey from Abram to Abraham, I started to think about him as a father. And the Lord impregnated me with this thing. And I just had to give birth to it this morning because somebody think that being a father means that you got to be perfect. There's no one perfect but one. Oh, Israel, our Lord is one. Ram was in the bush. Abram looks up and lifts his eyes and he sees the ram in the bush. The tension is down now. His anxiety is over now. He doesn't have to kill his son. Use your imagination. See this father and son running to go get this ram out of the thorn, out of the thistle, so that we can go make sacrifice. Son, we're going back to those that we left down at the foot of the mountain and let them know that everything is all right. I talked about some songs, but one of my favorite songs is I got a feeling, I'm feeling something this morning, that everything is going to be all right. Even in the worst conditions, God is still good. I know how many times I quit. You know how many times I wanted to do everything else, but what I was called to do. Didn't want to be involved with ministry. Didn't want to preach no more. Didn't want to do it. But that's what he, I didn't call me. He called me and he won't let me go. And he allows you to find joy in the thing that he puts on you, even if you don't want it, because he knows what's best for us. Ah, Thank you, Father. You can make it. You can make it. The victory is already yours. Thank you, Lord, for being you. Thank you for those who are listening on wisdom with us this morning. Thank you for those who will be listening at a later date. Thank you for leaving these examples in your word that we can hold fast to the faith, even in the midst of our flaws. Thank you that you're not inconsistent. Thank you that you don't parent us the way that some of us parent our children. Thank you that you don't abort us. Thank you that you don't see us as insignificant, even those that don't believe in you, you still allow the sun to shine on the believer and the non-believer, the rain to harvest the crops of the believers and the non-believers, the wind to blow on the facing of the believers and the non-believers, the word to prick the hearts of the believer and non-believer alike, you love us, you're a good father. Forgive us this day of our trespasses. Teach us how to forgive those that trespass against us. Allow parents and fathers to come together as one, to unify, forget about those broken promises, forget about the past. How can we build from here? Thank you. Giving us wisdom. And we're grateful for this day, our daily bread, as we go out into the world go out as light bearers for you challenge us to go out to be light of the world you challenge us to go out to be salt of the earth and we trust you will be that in Jesus' name thank God and amen God bless you all have a wonderful Father's Day peace
1: At One Ministries, we believe that giving is an essential part of our faith. As it says in 2 Corinthians 9 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, we are dedicated to serving our community and making a positive impact on the world around us. Our wellness ministry provides essential resources to help young people learn how to be flexible, both physically and mentally. We also work hard to feed those in need and bring valuable virtual content to the masses, but we can't do it alone. As a non-profit organization, we rely on the generosity of people like you to help us continue our important work. Your contributions go directly to funding our programs, expanding our reach, and making a difference in the lives of those we serve. If you've been touched by our message, inspired by our content, or impacted by our work, we invite you to give generously today. Every dollar counts, and your support will help us continue to serve our community and fulfill our mission. To give, you can use our Cash App at $1Ministries, our PayPal at 1Ministries, or Or visit our website to donate securely. And remember as it says in Luke 6.38, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Thank you for your support, and may God bless you abundantly as you give. Thank you for tuning into the One Ministries podcast, where we strive to bring you inspiring messages, thought-provoking discussions, and practical insights to help you grow in your faith and live out your calling as a follower of Christ. We hope you found this episode helpful, and we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast to stay connected and receive future episodes directly to your device. You can also follow us on social media and visit our website to learn more about One Ministries and our mission. Remember, we are one body with one mission and one purpose, and together we can make a difference in the world. So go out and live your faith boldly, love others deeply, and make an impact in your community and beyond. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to having you join us next time on the One Ministries podcast